0: That's a good question, isn't it? It's a question that we've all wrestled with at some point in our lives. Maybe you haven't wrestled with it in those terms, but what can wash away my sin? What can wash away my shame? What can wash away my... Guilt, my pain. And before we get too far down this road, uh, I want to welcome you to Bridgewater and let you know if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm, I'm excited that you're here today because today we are in week five of a series called Starting Point, and today we're wrestling with this question, what can wash away my sin? When it comes to sin, there's lots of regrets, there's lots of pain, there's lots of shame and guilt, and we wonder, what will really wash it away? What will wash away my mistakes? What will wash away my memories, my habits? Some of you, you try to drink it away. Some of you try to medicate yourself. Others, you try to work really, really hard and hope that it just goes away. Some of you give more money and you hope that will dissolve the shame, the guilt, the sin. But what what can wash away my sin? Can it just be washed away so that I don't ever have to think about it again? Or when I do think about it, I'm okay with it? What can wash away your sin? What can wash away my sin? And you know, there there are things that go on in your life and my life that there are sins that that you and I can laugh at, right? You know, like when you're 16 and you're driving your your red firebird down the highway at who knows how many miles an hour and you just laugh at it now, right? And you know, you've had friends come up to you, they tell you a story and you're like, oh, that's nothing, right? Right? Man, when I was younger, I did, right? And you can laugh at it. But there are some things in your life and in my life that they're just never going to be funny. They're embarrassing. And it follows you around like a cloud, like a shadow that just, it's always there. It's a cloud of shame. It's a cloud of guilt. It's a cloud of pain and misery and we try to bury it in this sea of humanity and we say things well nobody's perfect and I'm not perfect and since nobody's perfect and I'm not perfect then I'm just fine and we say things like well I was I was young I mean I was young I didn't really know what I was doing I was drunk I I couldn't really help it. I just, I was angry. Whatever was going on in my life, that made me angry. Or there was just a time in my life where I didn't have anybody around and I was lonely. Or you know what? I didn't have a lot of money and I was just flat broke. Or I didn't know any better. And although all of those things might be true and accurate and we acknowledge those things, acknowledging those things doesn't wash it away doesn't get rid of it and i think the question or the issue we're really wrestling with is this issue of forgiveness and the question i hear so often is tim how do i forgive myself how do i forgive myself so so at the very end it's just i'm done is that even possible? How can I move past this? What can wash away my sin? What can wash away my guilt? What can wash away my shame? Well, I can't go back and undo it. I can't go back and redo it. But is there anything that I can do? Because every religious system, every faith system offers a solution to this very dilemma. And there's only one person who came out and said, not only do I have the solution, but this person stepped forward and said, I am the solution. Now, he was either crazy, insane, had a, had no idea what he was talking about because he, maybe he was even a liar, or maybe, maybe he really did have something we should Pay attention to. That as adults, we should think about what is the starting point of my faith? What, what, if anything, what can wash away my sin? What can wash away my guilt? What can wash away the shame? That's the question we're going to wrestle with today. So if you have your Bibles, go to the book of Mark. Go to Mark chapter 1. While you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context. We're going to interact with a guy named John the Baptist, which is a crazy dude, okay? As you read the description of John the Baptist, you might wonder, I think I've seen him at the Harford Fair. <laughs> Listen to the description. When we get there, I'm just saying, and John is doing stuff that nobody has ever done before, He's not asking people to baptize themselves. He is taking them and he is baptizing them himself. And this is really unique because the only people who were getting baptized at that point were Gentiles who wanted to become Jewish. And now he is taking Jewish people and he's baptizing them into the Jordan River. And there are hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people coming from all over Judea. To talk to this guy, to hear this guy, to watch this guy, to be baptized by this guy. So, Mark chapter 1, verse 4. If you don't have a Bible, we have it on the screen for you. Just follow along. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. This is one strange dude, and he is out there baptizing people, which is unique. And what Mark says is that all the people in Judea, all the people from Jerusalem are coming. And it's kind of like when your kids are like, Mom, everyone's going to be there. And you're like, really? Is the president going to be there? Well, no, but... Okay, the idea is, okay, we know that everybody's not going to be there, but so many people are going to be there, Mom, that it's going to feel like everyone's there. And that's what he's saying. All the people... Probably hundreds or thousands of people. Many of them would have traveled at around 40 miles to get there. Now, if you have a jet pack, that's going to take you 20 minutes. <laughs> but if you're walking through the hills, over the hills, around the hills, through some dangerous territory, past Jericho, it's going to take you a while. You're going to leave, the sun is still down, and you're going to arrive probably the next day or a couple days later and the sun is still down. People from all over are coming to hear this guy, John the Baptist. And what's he doing? He's preparing the way. You know, it's when you have friends over, or a small group is coming over, or someone really important is coming over, you're going to start straightening up, tidying up, maybe run the vacuum a little bit, make the coffee, make some treats. Like You're going to prepare. Hide all the junk, shove it in the closet, put it under the bed, take all the drawers and stuff everything, get everything off the counter. You're going to prepare the way. And that's what John the Baptist is doing. He's preparing the way for the Messiah. And people are coming to him and they're going, hey, John, are you the Messiah? Are you the guy? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm simply pointing you to the Messiah, to the Christ. I am here to point to Jesus. And that's what he's doing. He's out there baptizing people, preparing the way. And he's doing this baptism of repentance. Now, I want to be really clear what repentance is. Repentance is more than just turning 180 degrees. Repentance is I have a change of my mind. I'm thinking differently about my sin. Right, I'm not just a mistaker who makes mistakes, but I'm a sinner and I'm owning that. And I'm seeing my sin the way that God sees it. And when I, when I begin to see my sin the way that God sees it, I'm thinking differently. I'm choosing to turn from my sin towards God. And that's what John is doing. He's saying, now you're, you're saying, you want to follow God? This is what it looks like to follow God. I'm going to baptize you. And there's this huge procession of people out in the Jordan River just waiting and waiting and waiting. They've probably been there all day, talking to this guy, listening to this guy. And, and like, like Mark says, like, he's a strange dude. He's eating locusts and honey, and he has camel hair outfit with a leather belt. And here's, here's Mark's point. He's not like anybody else. He's not like the other religious leaders because like the other religious leaders, he's not educated. He's not wealthy. Instead of being at the temple, he's at the Jordan River. He's not in collusion with Rome like the other leaders would have been. He's off doing his own thing. He doesn't sound like them. He doesn't talk like them. He is different. He's not rich. He is poor. He's not dressed great, He doesn't smell good. And that's Mark's point, that God is using this guy who doesn't look like everybody else, who doesn't smell like everybody else, who doesn't talk like everybody else, and God is using this guy to point people to Jesus. And he's preparing the way. And here's what John knows. See, experiencing personal forgiveness For personal sins is often the starting point for personal faith. That's what John knows. That's what he's communicating to these people. That's why they're getting baptized. And he is preparing the way, pointing them to Jesus. Because you and I, we have these sins. And they seem so permanent. They're a permanent stain. They're a cloud tends to follow you around. And you wonder, is there anything, anything I can do that would just get rid of this for good? And John writes something very similar in his gospel. Take a look at what John says. John chapter 1, verse 26. John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you don't even recognize. Verse 27, though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. John is right there in the Jordan River baptizing more people and he says, guys, ladies, kids, there's somebody here you don't even recognize him I'm not even worthy to crouch down and tie his sandals he is so much better look forward to something better and then John tells us the next day the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and listen he says look kids, shh, look, hey, hey, John, I I came here to get baptized, I walked 40 miles, I walked all day, all night, shh, just look, look, hey, John, I've been here in line for a long time, shh, just, just look, the Lamb of God, look, the Lamb of God, everyone's now looking for a sheep. And they would have understood a little bit about what lambs are. But in their mind, lambs are dirty, smelly, stupid, dependent, helpless, weak. Look, the Messiah, it's a lamb of God. Weak, stupid, helpless, dumb, smelly. I mean, they would have been waiting for someone to say, behold, the king, behold, the Messiah. But John says, look, the lamb of God. Now, best case scenario, you have a helpless, weak lamb. Worst case, it's dead. And they would have thought about that. Regarding the sacrificial system, the sacrificial system went all the way back to the very beginning. And in fact, we see Abraham, God being calling Abraham to sacrifice his son. He's bringing his son up, ready to take his life, knowing that God somehow is going to provide. But just as he's about to sacrifice his son Isaac, God stops him and he provides a sacrifice. He provides a, a ram caught in the thicket and, and he sacrifices that. We also see Israel being delivered out of Egypt from bondage, and as they're being delivered, God tells them, Sacrifice a lamb, prepare a lamb. There's gonna be a Passover meal. You're gonna have this. Every time you remember the Passover, have this lamb, this sacrificial lamb. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah talks about a lamb that was led to slaughter. Isaiah says he's the one who will be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. They knew all of that. But what they didn't know or what they didn't think as, as themselves, as a people who needed a sacrifice. He says, look, look at the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Roman sin, Jewish sin, American sin, European sin, your sin, my sin, the Lamb of God that takes away. He's going to take away your sin and my sin. Here's the point Jesus doesn't just have a solution for your sin, He is the solution. What can wash away your sin? What can wash away your guilt, your shame, your memories, the mistakes, the failures? Jesus is the solution. Jesus came as the Lamb of God to die for your sins and my sins. Did you know that when Jesus died, you can look this up on Google, he didn't suffocate which is interesting because when you were crucified, that's typically how you died. They would drive a nail or a spike through your wrists, one in the other, in your feet, and your arms, your hands would be above your head, and your legs would be bent. And so in order to breathe, you'd have to push your legs up, and then you could breathe. Well, eventually you just got so worn out that you could no longer push yourself up to breathe. And so When the Romans got sick and tired of watching you struggle, they would come and whack, break your legs, and then you can't push up, and your lungs would no longer be able to take in oxygen. It would be like this constant phase of inhaling, but you can't actually breathe, and so you suffocate. But that's not what happened with Jesus. They came to break his legs, but he was already dead. You see, Jesus was beaten, was whipped, a crown of thorns went on his head. He was nailed to that cross and he bled to death for your sins, for my sins. The Lamb of God came to take away your sins, to take it away, to pay for it. What can wash away your sins? You can't, alcohol can't, now it may numb it for a bit, you may escape for a little bit, but you can't wash it away, nothing can wash it away. Some things make you feel better, but that guilt and that shame stay there. Paul talks about this. Listen to what Paul says. Listen to his interpretation of what John talked about. Colossians chapter two, verse 13. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave you of all your sins. You were dead. Why? Because of your sin. So how did you go from dead to alive did somebody take out a magic wand abracadabra boom no you were made alive with christ for he forgave you of all your sins he died on that cross he came into the world to be that sacrificial lamb he died for your sins, and he died for mine. So what can wash away your sins? I'm going to borrow this, Jim. <clears throat> Got a cable stuck here. We'll leave that there. Jim's really worried about his glasses. What can wash away Your sin. Sharpie? Permanent? Sin feels permanent? Dawn's really nervous because this is her whiteboard. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. This need to be Darker. Don said, just use, like, multiple markers. They'll be able to see it. <clears throat> Fine, we'll use multiple markers. This will work great. Are you trying to convince us of yourself? All of the above, Karen. What can wash away your sin? <laughs> Sorry, Don, I can't. What can wash it away? Like, really? Well, here's what has to happen, is that it has to be covered with something else. And Jesus came and he died for your sins. And we know he didn't suffocate. We know he bled. and he was that sacrificial lamb, and he died for your sins, that blood. Covered it. And Jesus died on the cross for your sins and my sins, and it has to be covered because you can't pay for it. Verse 14 He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away. He took it away. He took it away. The Lamb of God came to take it away by nailing it to the cross. That word cancel means to wipe it away. Well, we got to work a little harder on that. We got to work on this. But it's got to be covered. We use red. It's got to be covered by the blood. And once it's covered we can completely erase it. Well, you have to use your imagination. Sorry, Don. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you a new whiteboard? It works way better in real life (laughs) when Jesus does it. But don't get caught up on on that illustration. Here's, Here's what Jesus really did. He literally wiped it away, washed it away, left no trace of your sin and my sin. And when you place your faith in Jesus... When you ask Him to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, God looks at you, He looks at me, and the only record He sees is the perfect record of Jesus. He canceled it, He wiped it away. It's gone. Hallelujah. What can wash away your sins? What can wash away your guilt and your shame so that it's just gone? took it away nothing nothing but the blood of Jesus that's it it's done it's paid for it's canceled completely taken away completely wiped away and here's the good news you don't have to forgive yourself yourself Has already been forgiven. And I know that's a question you wrestle with because I've I've heard others ask that question. Tim, how can I forgive myself? You can't. Because you can't add anything to the cross. Jesus has already paid for your sins. He's already washed it. He's already wiped it away. It's done. But I know that that guilt... And that shame lingers and it follows you everywhere you go. There's things you want nobody to ever find out about your life. In fact, for some of you, there's probably places you never want to go again because those memories are there waiting for you, haunting you. But the idea of forgiving yourself is common But there is no biblical example of forgiving yourself. Because to forgive yourself, you have to be the offender and the victim, and you can't be both. And the question really is, do you believe that Jesus has really forgiven you? I mean, really? Washed away, canceled the shame and the guilt? You can't add anything to the cross, So what, what can wash away my sin? What can wash away my guilt, my shame? Jesus is the Lamb of God who came to take away sin. He came to wash it away, to cancel it. You're still trying to find a way to cover it up. So let me ask you this. What is standing in the way of you accepting God's forgiveness through Christ. If you've never done that, what's standing in your way? Because he paid for all of your sins. He made forgiveness possible. And he simply is offering it to you. What's stopping you? What's standing in your way? What needs to happen to make Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life today? Here's another question. Are you living like you're forgiven? Are you? Or do you walk around with that cloud? Okay, so so what do I do with the memories, Tim? What do I do with that? Because that is what I can't wash away. I get the forgiveness part. I get that Jesus died. I get that he washed it away. I get that that's how God views my record. But what do I do with the memories? Here's what you can do. Allow those memories to serve as a memorial and a reminder that you have been washed. And and, then just remind yourself, you know what? No, 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 no. That's not true anymore. I've been forgiven. No, no, no. That's not true either anymore. That's been paid for. No, no. That's not true either. That's been canceled. No, 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 no. That record already? Boom. Boom. Gone. And you are going to have to preach to yourself and stop listening to yourself. You're going to have to remind yourself over and over and over again, maybe a thousand times today, maybe a thousand and one times tomorrow. Nope, that's been forgiven. Nope, that's been canceled. God looks at me and I am forgiven. I am fully pleasing to him Amen. because Jesus took away your sin. You paid for it. Washed it away. And you'll need to remind yourself and you're going to have to remind yourself over and over and over again only the blood of Jesus. Peter, John, Mark, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If God doesn't condemn you, why do you condemn yourself? So what can wash away my sin? What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let me pray with you. God, it is amazing that It's amazing that Jesus came and died for our sins. It's amazing that he paid for all of it. But God, I know there are many people here in this room today who are struggling with guilt and shame and despair, and it just is relentless. For those people, for those individuals who have asked you to be their savior, who have asked you to be their forgiver and leader of their life, would you help them to remember they've been set free. They've been forgiven. And for those in this room who have never done that before, I ask that today you would help them to take that next step, to trust you, to follow you. God has... My friend Keith prayed for earlier. We, we do think of Israel. We do think of all of the, the craziness and chaos that's happening over there. It's happening all over the world. That there would be peace. We know that is a special place for you, a special people for you. Just pray that you would do something amazing and you would get the glory of what's happening. You would resolve that in your own timing and that even in the midst of craziness and chaos and wickedness, that people would be able to point others to Jesus. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. You guys stand in response this morning.